Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is the competition. Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is the day. It is the premiere of Fanatics Podcast. We got so many episodes. These people love so many things. You guys, I'm not joking. This is like one of my favorite shows I've ever worked on. You guys are going to love it. And here we go. Whoa. Fanatics. Everyone's got to think. Fanatics. And welcome to the Fanatics Podcast, where we talk about things that you love and are obsessed with and are just totally flipping fanatical about. I'm your host, Claire Kramer, along with my co-host, David Magadoff, who loves you, Claire. And Ish Liebe Dish, David. What, what did you just say to me? I said, I love you in German. Ah. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Um, you, gotta be, you gotta be careful <laughs> saying German things to Jews. But yes, yeah, well, I, I appreciate the love, though. That's you nice. know... It 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 reminds me actually of when JFK went and said "Ich bin ein Berliner," and a, he was a jelly donut. He was a jelly donut. But isn't is, I read a I read a whole thing once about that that it's not he wasn't that technically he was right. Am I wrong on that? I think no? that I think that there's you know I wasn't there, David. So I <laughs> I I don't know. I can't I can't I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> Fair enough. I did wake up this morning, though. My horoscope did say that somehow there would be a, a JFK reference in your podcast recording today. So my horoscope came true. Better the jelly donut than the grassy knoll, I guess. You know, <laughs> <laughs> keep it on the positive. We have an amazing guest today, Tiffany Thiessen. Yes, uh, from all, all the wonderful things. And we're not going to talk about any of them. Not right. one bit. Not Saved by the Bell, not 90210, not, you know, white collar, none of her amazing. You know, it's funny because especially when I think you're young and so prominent in the entertainment industry and such a public figure, I feel like you're known for just that one thing, even though you've done millions of projects. So I wanted to brush up on like the other 5,000 projects Tiffany has done other than, you know, Saved by the Bell and 90210. So I went to Google her this morning and I got Tiffany Thee into the search bar and the next auto suggestion, Google suggestion was ribs. And I'm like, wait, wait, Tiffany Thiessen ribs? What, what's wrong with her ribs? What did she do? So I obviously clicked on it and it was her rib recipe. She's very well known for a barbecue rib recipe. It's probably delicious. Were you a little disappointed that she wasn't going to have some sort of like 
you know, mo- we're going to see some photo with like her and like a rib jutting out of her skin or something because <laughs> gosh forbid. Were well, you mean, like a little disappointed that my that imagination was running wild for like all of three <laughs> seconds? Like what is wrong with this girl's ribs? But I was I was pleasantly surprised and I will be I love barbecue. So I will definitely be trying the infamous Tiffany Thiessen rib recipe. Speaking of the infamous Tiffany Thiessen, why don't we listen to her wonderful podcast right now? Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk about cookbooks. First of all, how big is your collection of cookbooks? Uh, It's pretty massive. Let's just say my husband always says when a shipment of something comes, is this another damn cookbook? So if that says anything, yeah, I probably got about over 500 cookbooks, I would say. Yeah, a little bit of an issue. Is it always a cookbook when no package comes? <laughs> How often do you order them? Well, I, you know, there's cookbooks always coming out and I get excited and it's kind of like a little bit of, you know, yeah, it is a bit of an obsession because the funniest part is most of the time I don't cook from them. I look at them like art. I look at them like just a beautiful, like some people, how they love coffee table books. That's what it is for me. I, I rarely cook from them. I, I get more inspiration and, and I get more joy just out of looking at them. And I do love how they look in my house. They've now gone from not just the kitchen, but now they're in my office and now they're in the living room. <laughs> I, I can almost picture like eventually, maybe in another 25 years, you know, little aisles are left and then just stacks of cookbooks that you have to navigate through. Um, you use the word. Are you basically telling me that I'm going to be on that show called Hoarders where I'm literally just going to have cookbooks all over I mean, me? If you are, it's a great thing to hoard. You know, I mean, you've seen the episode with the rats and all that. So yeah. uh, it's not a bad thing if you're on there for cookbooks. But you did use the word obsession. So I am wondering, Tiffany, on a scale of one to 10, how big of a cookbook fanatic are you? I would give it a good eight or nine, I would say. It would be hard for me. I think any, I think you can say it's an addiction when someone says if you can't stop, then right, that's a problem, right? I don't think I can stop. So I guess that is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot stop cookbooks. That is probably the favorite thing I've ever heard you say in the long, long time I've known you. (laughs) (laughs) What is the excitement about discovering a new book? Talk me through like when one comes in the mail that you've waited for, what is your, like, do you get that little adrenaline surge when you go to open it? Yes. I think for some people who just enjoy books, I do love the smell of the paper. I also am very much that person who loves really good photography. And then of course I love food. So then when you've got really beautiful photography and then you've got food next to great stories about food, you've got everything I love and one thing. So yes, I'm that person who gets excited, sniffs it, goes through it. You know, yeah, I guess it's pretty crazy. (laughs) What is the memory uh, that you had of the first cookbook? Was it when you were tiny? Like, what was the thing that first got you, either as a memory, and maybe that wasn't the thing that got you excited about cookbooks, but you just remember seeing? Well, I come from a long line of women in my family that cook. So the story for me in food is really just being that little girl, always watching my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, all like having 
the time of their life in the kitchen, cooking, doing all these awesome things and me wanting to be a part of that. So it started off there, but the first cookbook, I definitely, there's two. The Joy of Cooking, of course, was definitely the oldest, you know, book that I remember having and, you know, my mom having in her kitchen. And then also having a collection of recipes from actually my dad's mother that I still can't find after I moved the last time I moved. And it's been eating away at my soul since because I can't find it. But I remember that sort of collection of recipes in a book that I remember my mom always pulling from sometimes to always really be sweet about, you know, cooking from the recipes that she had or from her mother, but then also including my dad's side of the family. Okay, so if that was the memory you have of the cookbook, when was the cookbook that you were like, ooh, I like that, and I want, and I can't wait to get the next one? Or, like, when was that, like, I got one, and now I need to get another? Well, the obsession of cookbooks really didn't start probably until about maybe 10 years ago. So it's more Mm -hmm. recent. It's definitely not an obsession that I had when I was a little girl. It was more cooking and doing all that. The obsession of the cookbook really started about, I'd say about eight or 10 years ago. I remember being in New York City, actually. And I lived there for many years. I did a show called White Collar for a while. So I was living there and learning like how to cook again in a small apartment was like a whole nother kind of ball game for me. Like not having a dishwasher, which was like, why do people not have dishwashers in New York City? This is crazy. I still have my place in New York and there is to this day no garbage disposal and the dish washer is like literally the size of my computer. Yeah. You know, it's like put in two plates and it's done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was a whole different ball game of living and cooking and doing all that in New York City. But then I remember always going to Chelsea Market and falling in love in Chelsea Market. And, you know, it was like this whole big thing. And then I remember going into one of the stores there and seeing all these gorgeous cookbooks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these are so beautiful. And, you know, I had quite a few at home, but it wasn't like an obsession yet. And then it became like, oh, gosh, I need that book. I need that book. I'm going to be living here for the next few years. Where am I going to put them? And then I just started shipping them home, Mm. like looking at them and then having them shipped home. And then that's kind of where it started. So are there prerequisites that a cookbook must have before it enters your collection? Or are you just as excited about some obscure, rare, you know, vintage find as you are about, you know, Barefoot Contessa? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it's definitely, I'm less likely to buy a book that doesn't have photography in it because it really is a big thing for me, the visual aspect. But I will, if it has, if I know it has old, cool, recipes or if it has good stories that are connected to the recipes. So it really, it really depends. You know, I just started getting into like looking at more vintage cookbooks. So that's been kind of, and I have a couple chef friends that are real into vintage cookbooks. So you can say that that new sort of obsession is because of them. So you might start finding me, you know, online and going to vintage bookstores, just looking for old cookbooks. That would be me. That'll be my next thing. (laughs) Well, I I I think that vintage cookbooks are fascinating. I mean, I remember growing up, I grew up in Ohio and our church put out a cookbook, you know, when I was very little and my mom got me a copy. And now like going through that cookbook today, it's like jello and, you know, like manwich meat and just things that have become almost obsolete in current cooking culture. You know what I mean? So that it's like a little piece of history. I remember those. And it's funny talking, going back to the cabin where I am right now, I'm in my family's cabin up in the mountains and the sequoias. We've been cleaning out this little 
this little kitchen that's up here. And I found all these old cookbooks and I got so excited. And literally like the ones you were talking about, the ones that are just paper and they're bounded with a little plastic ring. Super, super excited. So I'm actually going to be looking through those tonight. So everybody's going to know what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to be going through the old vintage cookbooks that are up here. I love it. Okay. So there's obviously there's different, not just different, you know, people who write cookbooks, but there's different styles. Like some are just one, you know, topic like smoothies or some are very diverse. And what is your like go-to section if you get a cookbook that has different, you know, like meats and poultry and desserts? And what what do you really enjoy looking at first? Do you have anything or do you just start from the beginning? I pretty much start from the beginning, but that's a very type A personality trait of mine. I'm like a girl that goes in order and I'm, I'm a rule follower and all that kind of stuff. If you were to talk to my husband, he's the complete opposite. But I will say one section that I don't generally either look at or cook from, if I do cook from a book or get inspired by, I'm just not a big, I'm not a huge baker. That's probably one section that I don't generally spend a ton of time on, but I'm a savory girl. Like, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, it's, it's the, it's the lunches and the dinner section or the savory or the, I I do love a good cocktail section too. Let's not be, you know, totally obscure by the fact that I do go into other sections besides just the food. But I love the stories that come along with the recipes like that. When I was making my book, that was a big thing for me. One, I wanted a photograph of every single recipe in my book. That was super important to me because I think nowadays people are so visual but I also wanted the story to go along with it. Um, a lot of my recipes in this in this in this book, you know, come from a story of either my parent, you know, my mom cooking it, my grandmother, my aunt, me traveling, you know, having a memory of some roadside place that I remember when I was a kid. And I wanted people to connect with that story, you know, if they were going to cook, for, you know, from my book. I wanted them to know, like, you know, where that recipe was coming from. So that's the question that I have then is. Cookbooks, there's many elements to the cookbook, right? Like there's the photos, there's the actual recipe itself. It's the way the recipe is written. But there's the little intro section at the beginning of the cookbook is that 20, 30 pages of the forward. There's the moment before each recipe was that explains it starts with, well, my grandma was or I was walking through Venice one day or whatever. What is your feeling about the intro to the recipe moment? Do you enjoy writing it? And also, do you read those things when you're opening the cookbook? Like the little quick, here's the one paragraph explaining why this parpadelle was the thing that I need to cook about. Yeah, I'm more apt to read those small intros to each recipe, depending on if I'm going to cook from it. Because to me, those are the stories that, you know, I love because to me, food is all about the connection between people and stories. Hence, like the title of my book, Pull Up a Chair. Like it's it's literally about bringing people together because of food. And I think that people, a lot of people can say that. So I love those little stories. And that was super important with my book as well as really connecting those small stories with the recipe that's below it. Well, I think the title of your book is perfect. I The photography is gorgeous. I haven't cooked anything from, I'm like you, I've looked through your book, but I have not cooked yet from it. <laughs> Mostly just because I'm at the crock pot stage of my life with four kids and I'm just throw stuff in there. But I, I totally feel like when you published your book, it was about like, not just the food, but about community and and the sensibility that food, I mean, feeding someone is one of the most caring things you can do, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I explain to people, 
you know, a lot of people, it was funny because I had a, I had a cooking show for a while on, on cooking channel and food network. And the one thing that I kept saying to people is I'm not a chef. Please don't ever call me a chef because I'm not, I never went to culinary school. This is truly, I'm a home, home cook. If you're going to say anything mm-hmm. for me, it's really about growing up in a, in a, in a family that very much had that mentality of food is love. And showing that. And and even like up here, like we've been making ice cream all week and literally we are delivering ice cream constantly to our neighbors, you know, all, you know, we had peach <laughs> yesterday. And to me, that's a, sh- that's a show of love and, and, and community and all those things. And that's very much what my book was all about. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. So all these books, I love that it's connected to love, by the way, because the things that we keep finding with this this podcast is that everything's connected to some sort of, it's not just like, oh, I'm obsessed about it because of blah, blah, blah. It's it's always come connected to this feeling of like when I was a kid or this is what this makes me feel whole. This makes me feel, you know, as a person, this gives me, this is the love that I receive and the love that I love to give. Like, I love that. So when you walk into restaurants, even though right now it's not the time, but when you walk into every restaurant and you see a cookbook, are you now at a place with 500 cookbooks where you're like, yeah, I just have to buy it. Like there's no such thing as the cookbook that you see that you don't buy. Is that, is it possible to see a cookbook and you will not buy it? It's possible because there is a million cookbooks out there, but generally going back to the restaurant aspect, if I especially enjoyed my meal and I had a connection with either the chef that happened to be there, or there's something about that sort of experience, I will absolutely buy the cookbook if I don't have it already. <laughs> Cause a lot of times it's the other way around where I've bought in the cookbook and then I travel to that city and I'm like, we're going there. You know what I mean? So it's, Mostly the opposite, but there has been times very much that way. Like I, we were in Italy last year and it was very much that way. But going back to the actual, what you're saying about people and it's not just obsessions, but it truly comes from love. I think we're in a place in our world right now where, where it's a lot of turmoil. It's a lot of change. Some of it not so great. And, and But we're coming from a place where nostalgia is huge right now. I feel like it's having this resurgence of like, 
things coming back old. I mean, talking about Save by the Bell reboot, like all these like nostalgic sort of things. And here I am in my grandfather's cabin that he built in 1960, living literally in a full amount of like love and memories. And I think we're all craving that like big time. That in itself brings comfort. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, when I have a collection or something that I, you know, that makes me happy, like cookbooks make you happy, I don't ever want to let them go, no matter how many I get. So would you ever like, is there a point where you would ever be like, well, I'm going to have to spare down my collection? Or is it just a matter of like, nope, it's it's going to each each book brings you joy. You remember the moment you remember why you have it and you really would never let it go. It's funny. We we did a big clean out about two years ago, I remember. And I did clean out some of my old cookbooks, some that I didn't have. I didn't feel a connection. I may have either been given them because I also get, you know, people give me cookbooks too, you know, which is lovely. And most of them I keep, but there's been some where I'm like, I've never really looked at it. I don't feel a connection to it. So I have no problem if I don't have truly like a connection to something or if it's really just so old and it's falling apart. I mean, I'm not talking about cookbooks. I'm just talking about stuff in general. I've been doing a lot, a lot of that up here in the, uh, in the cabin. I don't have a problem getting rid of stuff, but most of my cookbooks, especially in the last probably five years, I love and I cherish and I love looking at them. I love even not looking at them and knowing that they're just on that shelf. That's the weirdest thing I know, but I know it's there And I know I have a memory about it or going back to like saying I went to that restaurant or I went to that city, you know, in in France or whatever. And it's a book about all that type of food or something like that. There's a connection there. Why don't you ever try to cook from them? It's not that I don't. I don't know. It's I get inspired. So it's it's very it's very rare that I'll follow a recipe from a book to a T. Right. So I might look through a book and I, I get inspired I have. It's not that I don't. And I do. There's a couple books that I keep out in my kitchen that are always open. Well, why won't you follow it to a T? Is that just something in general? Like you like to just put your own little stamp on it? Or because if you follow it once to a T, my gut feeling is fair enough. But then you do try it again. It's funny that from the very beginning, you look at the recipe and go, nah, I'm going to change lemon for lime. You know, I'm going to do two pinches instead of one. Why do you from the get go kind of do your own little spritz on it because i think truly i don't think there's i mean again it's not all the time i'm saying in general there's usually something in the recipe that i'm like ah i'd rather have that or i don't love like i i cannot stand celery Mm. you know and so like you know if there's a recipe that has something in it i'll change it to fennel you know what i mean or something else so it doesn't mean that i'm not following it to a certain degree but most of the time i'll put something of my own into it you're confident. You're bold. You want to make your own. You, you you feel you feel good in the kitchen. So you're like, I can change this because I've done it before and I'll do it again. Yeah. Again, well, it's, I think, it's, it's, I think also... it's inspiration. It's like looking at, at at like interior design magazines or right. You get inspired by what you see on wallpaper or a certain color. And you're like, oh, that actually would look really good in our house. But I'm going to change it up a little. It's not going to be exact. Right. It's sort of the same thing. I guess. That's a really good comparison, actually. And as far as adapting recipes, I think that also comes with age where you realize like what your kids will and won't eat. So you're like, well, nope, absolutely. I'm not going to put a red pepper in there because that will be picked out by everyone, you know, or only in my section does that go. Like sometimes I'm even like cooking two dishes of the same thing, one with variants for me and one with variants for the kids. That's it. That's so my house. I can't even tell you. Yes, exactly. But most bizarre cookbook you have. 
craziest one that someone would be like, what is this? <laughs> the most bizarre cookbook. That's a hard question. I have so many. Or one that pops in your head that you're like, that's a weird one. I don't know if they're they're not weird to me, though. Like, I mean, literally going back to what I just found this, you know, the last couple of days, like there's some pretty interesting cookbooks that I found, you know, in this cabin. I found actually an old Sunset one. Do you remember Sunset Magazine? They used to bring out those real old cookbooks. Yes. We get it. I love that. I love that. Movie. I know. I found two. I found two of those. I found one of those spiral ones that I think is from from a church, it looks like, or family. But bizarre. Hmm. How about one that made you super happy? Was there, was there a book that like someone gave you or you saw that like when you look at all of your books, that one just puts a smile on your face more than the others? Definitely Barefoot Contessa. Definitely anything from Jamie. I love Jamie Oliver as well. I mean, those to me make me feel comfortable and they're they're classic. They're like classic books. They're both like assembling. They're big on like instead of like cooking per se, you know, it's about assembling ingredients. And I like that philosophy. Yeah. I think it makes recipes more approachable. I agree. And then for more like beauty and and then like just for me to salivate over the pictures and the recipes, Donna Hay for sure. Like I truly have every, she's probably my most favorite of all. I have every single book of hers and we've actually become, I've never met her, but she knows I'm a total crazy fan and we've become friendly over Instagram, which I'm, you know, that's such a thing now, right? Like you yeah. become <laughs> friends over Instagram. It's the, the funniest thing. So if I can't get one of her books here in the United States, I literally DM her and she will send it to me because it always comes out in Australia first, which is where she's from. So she actually has a new book. And I already DM'd her last week and she's sending it to me. And I'm so excited about it. Do you see the salivation? Do you see the tears coming from my eyes? <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm excited so too. excited because she actually has a special section of just her books in my house. Do you have the most books from her as a as a chef? Or I yeah. would say her and Jamie Oliver and Barefoot Contessa. Those are the three people that I have the most from. Does she have this, the most beautiful photography or is it do something about her Australian cooking or... Yeah, her her photography, her her food styling, and just her recipes itself, all of it. She has the combo. Like she really, I don't know. I lo- I just love everything about her. I, I I I've loved her for years. Like truly, probably for about fifteen twenty. I mean, I just I think she's amazing. Do you cook every night? I do. That, I know that's a personal question, but <laughs> and can I mean, we come over? I won't tell anyone your answer. But is it is it you know like prominently your cooking that feeds your family? I would say out of seven days of the week, I probably at least cook five to six. Yes. One, because I enjoy it. Two, because it almost sometimes is easier. I know that's weird, but it's such a, it's a creature of habits. Like, you know, this is what I do, you know? Um, like here in the cabin, there's, there's no restaurants up here. So we're, we're cooking every meal. And I feel like nowadays, being at home and your kids are at home, I've never cooked so much. I mean, the amount of snacks that I'm actually preparing is crazy compared to just the three meals. Let's talk about the amount of snacks I prepare, right? But it's funny, like, I've I've also done this thing where at least once a week when I'm, it's usually by the end of the week, I'm pretty overcooking. I literally put a baking sheet, a huge baking sheet out, and I throw a bunch of snacks and fruit and vegetables and, like, deli meat and, like, 
leftovers and I throw it all together on a, on a baking sheet. And they, they literally think it's the coolest thing ever because they just pick from it. (laughs) I do that too. It's so awesome. I've been doing that for years and I've been, and I, but I've been literally doing it almost once a week now where I'm like, mama's not turning on the oven tonight. I'm over it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally open up some bags and I'm going to open up some deli meat, you know, and I'm going to Ziploc this open and like, like, this is what it is, you know? That's very, it's very European, I think, to feed a, you know, because in Europe, I feel like the, the primary meal is lunch and not dinner so much. So I, I have definitely done that before where my kids, it, it used to be, they'd be like, this is it. <laughs> and now they're like, yay, you know. Yeah, my kids but are you know, super excited about it. Yeah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ethnic cookbook. Favorite ethnic cookbook. I think the one that I probably would actually use the most is Mexican, probably. Most of my Mexican cookbooks. One, because my husband's from Texas and, you know, and then the meat being from California and my kids, you know, love Mexican food. So I would say that would be the most used probably those types of books the one that i cherish probably the most oh that's another one that's so so hard but cuisine wise is probably the one that i that i admire and love the most is probably any sort of french cookbook you know like chef ludo is a really good friend of mine and and talk about you know taking out you know food from his restaurant. I mean, it's funny because I, I miss going to restaurants too. Like as much as I love to cook, I miss that whole sort of same philosophy, sitting down at a restaurant, connecting over food. I miss that so much. You know, I really do. I know. I miss, I miss the interaction too with the, you know, the chef and the staff and the, it's just a whole experience that we're not having right now. Yeah. It's a, and it's, and talk about people watching. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing for you, but God, I love to people watch, <laughs> especially at a restaurant and especially when people are stuffing their faces. Cause most of the time they don't think that other people are looking at them, but I'm looking at you. I just want you to know, I'm not like, 
I'm just, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to watch people really like enjoy food or, or, or sometimes, you know, watching a couple like on a date and they're like, Ooh, I wonder if it's their first, like my husband and I do that all the time. We cut, we create these stories of people in restaurants. I miss that so much. I really do. I just hope that once we go back to restaurants, that after this podcast, people are going to be <laughs> being like, is Tiffany Thiessen watching me while I'm eating this patty melt? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Tiffany, uh, does font matter in a cookbook? 500 cookbooks. When you see like a font, is there a certain like font where you're like, I got, I'm no way am I touching that cookbook? Because I, font, I hate fonts. There are certain things that, that will make me go away from a cookbook or any book. Or if I even start reading a normal just narrative book, I'll be like, oh, I have to now deal with this font for the next 400 pages. Really, I have that. And then there'll be times where I literally will open up the first page and be like, ooh, I get to read this font for the next 300 pages. Good job, author. How do you feel? Um, I do. I, You know, look, I live, my husband's an artist and he, you know, does children's books now. He's actually doing his graphic novel right now that's due for, I think, in November. He's been working really hard at it and you know, fonts are huge, especially in the illustration world. I'm also, you know, his sister is a graphic designer. So it's funny. If there's a font that I don't love, I won't be horrible and be like, I'm not going to buy this book because of the font. Okay. So it's not the most important to me, but there are, there is a font that I, I'm not in love. And that's of course, Comic Sans. Like I feel like I, if I see it anymore, <laughs> I'm like going to die. Right. Cause I feel like for a while there, everybody was using it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not going to say that I don't have books that probably have it if I have to go back and really look. But I feel like we don't need to be using that font anymore. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. We can cancel Comic Sans. Let's cancel that. Yeah, it's done. It's done. It's and you got here. the opportunity, Tiffany, to this is rare because usually when people talk about the thing that they love, that they're fanatical about, they don't do it. They just enjoy it. You got to make a cookbook. So was there... It's sort of how I felt with our Airbnb. We got to make an Airbnb, my wife and I, and we looked at everything that we saw in Airbnbs that we hated and loved, and we did our own thing. So what are you like most proud of of your cookbook that you were like, I read all these cookbooks, and I got to do this for my own cookbook, and I'm proud of it? Well, the things that I'm proud of is the fact that I have, again, going back to nostalgia, is that I have this sort of big book of memories of my kids of recipes that I've been doing or enjoying or have history since I was a little girl, all in one little place. The proud also aspect is the fact that it's truly, besides giving birth to two of my children, my first one being the hardest, this was probably the second hardest thing I think I've ever, ever done. And I make this joke where I'm like, I birthed a book that had four hard, I mean, it was like a baby of four hard corners though. Like it was just like really (laughs) super hard. It took me almost three years from like the real start of it to then getting the proposal, then getting it sold to then, you know, photographing it, finish writing it, you know, getting it put to the you know publisher. And then it's like nine months, you know, for it to print, you know, like it's a it's a big ordeal. So that aspect of looking at it, and I'm proud because anybody who's done a book, especially a cookbook um, or like a really like hard graphic novel, it's not an easy task. David asked what you wanted and you were most proud of. What did you want to avoid in your cookbook? Like, what are the cookbook faux pas where you're like, oh, I cannot make sure I don't put that in there or make sure that's not how it is? Well, the thing that was important to me and which I touched on briefly was that I wanted to have a photograph of each recipe. I think there's only 
just a couple out of a hundred and how many, how many recipes? I think it was over 125. I think it was like 127 or something recipes I have in there. And I have a photograph of every single one except for a couple. And, and that was a big thing for me because again, I think being also an actor and all that, like I'm, I'm very visual too. And I wanted, I wanted people to see what it could look like, you know, besides just looking and reading the recipe. I think sometimes having the visual is super, super important. Will you publish again? Will you do another cookbook? Yeah, I'm working on another one. This one's for kids because that's literally nice. been my life for like the last year is a kid's cookbook. So last thing, cookbooks, you love them. There's a lot of them, 500. That's crazy. When we were talking about doing this podcast, you'd also mentioned one thing that we just have to touch on for like a half a second here. Which one? <laughs> You're really into to-do lists. I am. Just quick. Why are you so into to-do lists? And this is more Claire was really just like I'm like chomping at this the bit is on my soulmate because <laughs> I am a to-do list person. Like every day a to-do list, every day constant to-do list. Is it a forever to-do list or is it a daily to-do list that is updated daily? It's updated every couple of days probably. I mean, if I could just touch on the amount of to-do lists I've had in this cabin, it's ridiculous. Like it's crazy. I don't know what it is. I, I I definitely know it's a little bit of that type A personality. I definitely know I'm of that person. Like I, you know, I was never the kid that like liked to nap or, you know, like I, you know, like getting things done. I, I feel like I can rest my head when I've gotten a bit of my to-do list or I've finished my to-do list or I've crossed off a few things knowing that um, I'll finish more tomorrow. Like, I don't know. There's a sense of accomplishment with a to-do list. I don't know why. I just, it's always been that way. And I think it's part of just how I grew up. My parents were very much that those people as well. So an app or handwritten? Oh, handwritten all the way. Oh, I have a, I have a confession. Sometimes I will write something on the to-do list of mine that's already been done just so I can cross it off. <laughs> that is that is the satisfaction and joy I get from crossing something off is I will do it and then write it and then cross it off. I have another one. I love doing to-do lists for my husband just to see the damn reaction out of him when I hand it over. <laughs> He's more like to don't list. <laughs> Uh, well, we can cross this one off because we had a wonderful conversation with you, Tiffany. Thank you so much for sharing your cookbook. And <laughs> oh, I like that. What a good way to end it, David. Very nice. Yes, you're amazing. Thank you, Tiffany. Thanks so much, you guys. Claire, David, you're awesome. Have a good rest of your day. Be safe. You too. Everyone's got to what? great episode she's such a nice woman and i love david that you snuck in at the very end there her obsession for to-do lists because i do share that obsession well she just had so many wonderful things you know she even sent us she told us we could talk about hot tamales the candy and i'm like we're gonna talk about hot tamales for 30 minutes but that's why we have to have her back on because the idea of, of to-do lists even we just scratched it because it's just too interesting to have this thing that is so pragmatic and so ultimately, one might say, boring, and that this is like an obsession for her. But it's, I get it. I, I, I do know what it's like to have that feeling of crossing something out too. I, I'm, I, I get it. It's a very 
nice feeling to be like, I'm done with that. But don't this, you feel, Claire? I always feel like that lasts for about 30 seconds. And then immediately I think of another thing that needs to be done that I have to write down the to-do list. It is a very temporary high for me. It is. It's a quick hot. You're constantly chasing that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> crossing things off, but it is, it is definitely an obsession of mine. So we'll have to have her on. But I mean, I loved the cookbook aspect of it's not about the recipe. It's not about the book itself, although she does smell the books, which I found interesting. It's not about the, you know, collection. It's about the community and, and nourishment of those around her that brings her the joy and sort of feeds this obsession of cookbooks. Yeah, I think we found like in this podcast, it it does boil down to just, you know, it always comes back to like community and love and like that sense of, you know, belonging and providing in a way. You yeah, know, and at acceptance least it, and, and like a wholeheartedness even. It's this feeling of I do this thing. I long for this thing. I love this thing because it helps complete me, you know, in some level. And Claire, you complete yes. me a little bit. You complete me. And all of you complete us because we would just be talking to nobody if you guys didn't listen. So thank you for listening to the Fanatics podcast. You guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Next week is another great episode. We have Ray Fisher on, who, of course, plays Cyborg in Justice League and also the Zack Schneider cut of Justice League that was just released and all in the DC Extended Universe and also True Detective. He's awesome. And he comes on and he talks about his love of strategic tabletop board games, uh, a topic that I am very passionate about as well. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we-r-f-a-n-a-d-d-i-c-t-s. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Colin Baker. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Why that's a lot. There's so many things to like about cookbooks. Like all those personal stories, instructions, measurements, ingredients, and beautiful photos. There's so many things to like about cookbooks. And most of all for Tiffany, she really loves the photos and also the quantity of cookbooks. And definitely cocktail recipes for me. And, and her you, whole family has to watch out because she's getting kids, a lot of cookbooks so and they might not have a place the to live anymore. That's it. And so that's we it. Like that. Yeah. All right, you've been waiting for it. This is the code for our giveaway prize for our very first episode of Fanatics. We're so excited. This is for a signed copy, a personalized signed copy, mind you, of Tiffany Thiessen's amazing cookbook. Pull up a chair. So what is the code? Get ready. It's we are fanatics. <laughs> all one word. Lowercase. How did we come up with that? And you can put it in at wearefanatics.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S dot com. So there you go. We are fanatics. All together. Lowercase. Just like the website. Just like you. We are fanatics. Pull up a chair. Sign copy. Tiffany Thiessen. You're welcome. And you have one week, one week from this moment. And then we will pick our winner. And that person is a very lucky, special, 
and beloved person. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.